Yeah, that's life on the edge, isn't it? Woo! Hey, so uh, many of you saw that, that first video we played, and uh, how many of you guys, when you saw that, you want to jump out of your seat and like immediately chug a Red Bull? Anybody here? Yeah, there's like, oh, that's a little bit more in first service. Excellent. Um, if you are a thrill seeker, you like to push the envelope, you probably watched that video and just went, oh, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm doing. And uh, that's kind of, I, I love that video. I, I get a lot of mileage out of that video if you've been to base camp. I show it at least uh, 15 to 20 times in a semester because I just love, I, I love watching it. It gets me all charged up. And uh, just the thought of going out on the weekend and kind of tearing it up and grabbing gear and going to REI and grabbing all this stuff and just pushing, the, pushing it to the limit, that, that charges me. There are some of you in here going, no, I just think that's, uh, that's just wrong and stupid. Shouldn't be doing that. And uh, you're saying that's probably not living life on the edge. Uh, I don't know. That's why I think we all are made differently. I remember uh, scuba diving with a couple guys here at K2, and we went down. We were about 100 feet down. And uh, this, just, this moment just kind of encapsulated that video. Like we were down underneath the water, and if you've ever scuba dived, you can pretty much hear, all you can hear is, is uh, fish. They go, yeah, they're just eating. It's a little unnerving. But I was looking at over uh, at one of these uh, K2 guys that was there, and he's got his mask on, his regulator, and all I hear is, I'm like, you know, it was awesome. And if we were above ground, we'd be like, yeah. And uh, I love that. I love living to the extreme and to the edge. But for some of you, you're saying, that's not living life on the edge, man. You want to know what living life is on? It's, it's like getting four kids ready for school in the morning. It's cleaning chocolate pudding out of the carpet while like one-handedly changing a blown diaper with the other, right? Some of you are like, you want to know what life is on the edge? The minivan was a tactical decision, man. <laughs> Y'all think we gave in? That was tactical. Because in my house, the natives, they could just revolt any minute. They'll take you down, right? Anybody relate with that? There you go. We got some more takers on that. That's life on the edge, baby. So, <laughs> but for me, for me, I kind of, I kind of identify with the, the, the first, like this adventure thrill seeker. Take like whitewater rafting, for instance, all right? I, I think that... Uh, Anyone who's been on the green, the Snake River, rather, anyone who's been on the Snake River, yeah, anybody? Arguably the most famous, most intense river in America for rafting. Arguably, I mean, come on, it's it's got to be for if for some, no, no, it's a snake. So for some people, for some people, it just makes you scream out loud as you're as you're cranking down through these rapids. You're like, whoa! For for others, it makes them cry. You know, you're like, stop! I don't like this anymore. And I remember, you know, uh, being on it, and, and there's, it's just not like little swirls going on. We're not talking like little tiny ripples, right? We're talking five and six foot swells, class four, class five swells. And uh, they'll, 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 they, can, they can kill you. They'll take you out. And I, I remember uh, being on it, and uh, first time on it ever, and I'm sitting in the boat, and the, and, and the guide says, hey, we're coming up to the lunch counter. I'm like, we're coming up to the lunch counter. Sounds pleasant, you know, and... <laughs> And at this particular moment, we're kind of in this nice, calm stretch of water. The lunch counter, doesn't that sound nice? It's like maybe where you pull out your boat and eat lunch. And so we pull up to it. That wasn't the case at all. It was not the case at all. So get, picture this. I'm on the back. Apparently, that's where they put the heavy people. And then on the front, 
I don't know why I was back there. And then on the front, they got like the light people, you know, that are under 100 pounds, and they're in the front. Something about being an anchor, I don't know. And so we go into this, these rapids, the lunch counter, and this is what it was like. Ah, straight down, straight down. I'm looking down into this swell of water, waving at people in the front of the boat. And then the boat does something which uh, I think is, it's not supposed to do. They call it the taco. That's what we call it. I don't know what the technical term is. I think the technical term is you're hosed. But this, the taco is where you're in the back of the boat and suddenly you're like face to face with the person in the front of the boat. And down in between are just bodies. There's just bodies in this boat. And then the boat straightens out like a rubber band and no one's in the boat any longer. Boom, people fly. Now at this point, I'm responsible for all these people because I'm a youth pastor and all I see is bodies like all in the water. And I kid you not, the guide is crying. <laughs> what do you do? What do you do? You just quit your job. Get a job at K2 and don't tell anybody about it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so here it is, one river, two totally different experiences. You can be on the Snake River and it doesn't even seem like it's the same river. Just beautiful, calm stretches of like nothing going on. Just birds chirping, you can eat your PB&J, no problem, and it's just calm. And then you got these wild, crazy sections. And I bring this up because I think this is similar. What happens in our personal adventure, our spiritual adventure with God? See, I think we can have two totally different types of adventure with God, and probably a million in between. But I think the two extremes could be you know, I, I play it spiritually safe in my life. Maybe I live a nice, comfortable life of ease, kind of like this Mr. Overinsured guy. Like, hey, let's not get crazy in my spiritual walk, right? Let's just play it real easy. You know, I might just kind of meander through the bends, a little ups and downs, but, but everything's under my control. Everything's fine. It's safe. It's predictable. There's very little risk. Nothing's going to happen. Here's the problem, I think, with that type of spiritual journey, though. Is, is, is that sooner or later, I promise you, you get bored. You get bored. It's really, really nice kind of floating down a river, isn't it? It's just beautiful for like the first 20 miles. <laughs> but then you get bored. You're like, come on, there's got to be, I'm done with this. Let's do something else. I can't do this forever. Because that's how we were wired. That's how we were wired to kind of stand on the edge right? Everybody goes to the edge. Even if you're scared, you're kind of like, well, what's over? And everyone peeks off the edge. There's something inside of us, whether we're scared or not, that is designed to live this way, spiritually speaking. We weren't designed for the safe, the predictable, and this kind of boring life. And I know that because all we have to do is look at the character of God. And God is anything but that. He's anything but that. I mean, it's, it's K2, the church, an adventure with God, right? Right? It's not K2, the church, yeah, it's kind of exciting. <laughs> K2, the church, just kind of ease on in life. This, 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 this God's love letter to us, this whole entire word, he speaks about this adventure he has that's far edgier than anything that you and I can come up with. We're going to start off our time in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and then we're going to bust over to Ephesians chapter 5, where we've been hanging out for a couple weeks. But let's start here in 2 Corinthians 
Here's what Paul says. He says, he, being Jesus Christ, included everyone in his death so that everyone could also be included in his life. What is that? He says, a resurrection life. And here's the key, a far better life than people ever lived on their own. So this kind of life that Jesus Christ gives us through the cross is something that is way better, way more satisfying, way more missional, way more purposeful than you and I could actually come up with on our own. That's what it says. We're not, we're not designed to live in the spiritual margins. We're, we're not just designed to just kind of eke by, to just kind of exist, to just kind of go through the motions, just kind of show up to church. That's only just good for a period of time before it just kind of means nothing after. We weren't designed for that this half-hearted adventure with Jesus Christ. What Paul is saying is we were designed to live, and what's he say? A far better life than anything you could do on your own. Seriously? That's what it says. Better than you could do on your own. And so let's just back up and talk about where we've been the last couple weeks as we're in this uh, series, uh, Live in the High Life. For the first 14 verses, Paul's been pointing this out. He's been saying that it is about, living this high life is about giving God control, being imitators of who God is, allowing him to be the lightness. We talked about that in your, last week in the morning. We talked about him being the light coming into our darkness. Remember about compartmentalizing, hiding, acting? No, Paul is saying it's, it, living this life is about being missional with God, letting God in so that he can live through us, just not going through the motions, but living this life on the edge that God calls us to. Why do, why do we call in this week life on the edge? Because, let, let me just stop and say, there's nothing easy about being a Christian. <laughs> he never promised this is going to be a cakewalk it's the best thing you could sign up as far as little amount of pain and just ease of living. It's not. If you just flip through God's Word, you would see plenty of stories in there where it just wasn't that easy. It's not a cakewalk. But here's what it is. It is safe to walk with God, but it's not always the safest place to be. Does that make sense? You hear people say, oh, no, the safest place to be is in the middle of God's, God's, uh, God's will. And while in portions of that is true, oftentimes the disciples found themselves in complete storms and Jesus was sleeping in the boat. We're with God, but this really isn't working out the way we thought it would until they recognized the power of God. There's nothing safe about living for God except that we live with God. And so Paul points this out here. He says, this, this is the best life that you could have. And it's not on the, up on the screen, so let me just kind of paraphrase it for you. Last week, we ended on verse 14. And Paul said, or if you remember, he kind of shouted. <laughs> he said this, wake up! Remember that, verse 14. Wake up! Don't sleep any longer. And I'm paraphrasing here. Get out of your coffin! Don't be dead, is what he's saying. Let Christ shine light into your life. Awake from your sleep because there's far better things available for you than just, just kind of sleeplessly drift through your Christian life, not playing it safe, but living this life that God planned for you. And then we come to verse 15 through 20, which is what we're going to cover this morning. And Paul says there are things that you can do to engage with this life on the edge. 
God's not going to just, you know, make you, we have to engage. It's about us agreeing with God and saying, yeah, I'm willing to go, I don't know how I'm going to do it, I'm I'm willing to go there with you. I'm willing to engage in what you want for my life. I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to give up control. And so Paul says in, in, in verses 15 through 20, he says there are three B's, not do's, but B's that he points out here to help us gain some actions and some, some attitudes and some habits that will help position me to live the life that God has for me. And so we're going to take a look at that really quickly. I'd really like to encourage you to, to just, uh, there's only three of them, just so, jot them down on your hand, on your program, on your neighbor, whatever. Jot them down and, and just to remember, because again, I want to hand the ball to you so that this week you can run with these thoughts and have this conversation with God. I, it's almost through these, these verses here, like I can almost hear Paul saying, dude, would you, would you like to engage in the best ride of your life? Seriously. Would you, would you like to engage in full-on, real adventure, action, spiritually speaking? He goes, then missionally, this is what will, will put you in the position to engage with what God is doing right now. Check this out. Verse 15, here's what Paul says. He says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. At first glance, as I was looking through this verse, I thought, well, maybe the first B is be careful. But then when I started to, to, to really start to pull this apart, I'm like, ah, it's a little elusive here. It's not necessarily be careful, but it's the end of the verse. It's be wise is what he's saying here. And this is the first B, is to be wise. I, th- I believe what Paul is trying to communicate here is just not be careful and just that's it. But, but if you are going to be careful, then it, it comes through the wisdom of God. Paul isn't just saying, hey, just watch out, you know, be cautious, watch your step. He takes it farther than that, right? Because that would be like if, if you and I were going climbing, right, and I'm your climbing partner and you're getting ready to climb, and I'm like, hey, one more thing, I forgot to tell you. Hey, don't, don't fall. You'd be like, wow, you should write a book. That's amazing. No, thank you. That's phenomenal insight for climbing. Thank you. No, I wouldn't say that. I might say something like, hey, as you're going, just remember to use the rope or maybe something more profound, you know, like chalk up or, or, or place, your, place your pro right or whatever. I'd use, I would say different things. And, and I feel like that's what Paul is saying here. He's saying, live wisely, be wise, consider, consider where each step is going to take you in life. Don't don't, in other words, don't walk carelessly around just kind of, you know, without proper guidance, without forethought. Don't, don't, don't do that. He says, no, use the knowledge that you have of God and who He is and what He has done and what you've experienced through His Word and Him in your life and apply that. Use that wisdom, that knowledge, and apply it to your life so that you can take each step at a time. Okay, I can't believe I'm admitting this to you. Please don't hold it against me. I went to go see, uh, I, I saw recently Cirque du Soleil. Am I saying that right? Okay. I just have to tell you that I never thought I would go and see that because the clowns kind of freaked me out a little bit, and I just thought it was kind of like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to spend my money on that, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Anybody seen that? Yeah, okay. So maybe some of you had the same thoughts, like I'm going to go see crazy-looking clowns, and it just looks a little overly freaky. But when I went, it's, it's amazing uh, the things they start doing. At first, I'm like, Wow cool. And then they started doing some really crazy stuff. They started like walking on these tight ropes without any, any uh, nets. 
And then, have you seen it? And then they like tie streamers around themselves and kind of stream out of, I can't even explain it. And, and they, they climb these poles and they do all this kind of stuff. And, and soon as I'm watching this, I'm like, wow. Okay, freaky clown, that is cool stuff. Right? And, and I can't imagine the instruction that these guys are getting. It's not like, hey, you're perfect for the job. You like to dress up good. Here's how you do it. Be careful. Thank you. No, they, they train, and they, they have instruction, and they practice, and they couple everything they're doing with, with intense amount of wisdom so that they can, they can do this. And I feel like that's what Paul is saying here. He's like, listen, you're going to walk in life. You're going to consider your steps, and there's going to be spiritual danger all around, and you need to fall back on what you've learned about God and who He is and what His Word says. Be wise in myself. No, be wise in God. Because if I'm really engaging in this life that's living on the edge, seriously, if I'm really engaging in this, if I'm striving to please God, if, if, I'm, if I'm striving to follow Him and dedicate my life to Him, I've got to believe that I'm ticking off the devil. And sooner or later, he's going to come after me. He's not going to like that. Because inherently, living this life on the edge means I'm opposed to what he's doing. So Paul says, you have to live wisely because danger lurks. It happens all the time in our life. Danger's right around the corner. You know, like when the pressure, the pressure to succeed at work mounts, and you start feeling like maybe I should, you know, like cut some kind of ethical corner just so I can get ahead a little bit. I feel like Paul, Paul's in the background screaming, be wise. Be wise. Watch your step. Watch your step. This is not what God has, has, has given you wisdom for. When you're, when you're in your, the office, you know, and there's that person who's just kind of subtly flirting with you. You know this is dangerous. I feel like Paul is screaming, be wise. Consider the outcome. Be wise. Maybe a little closer to home. When you come home after, after work and, and you're already kind of on edge, not living the life on the edge, but you're just kind of already on edge, and you walk through the door and your spouse goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I feel like Paul is saying, be wise, right? <laughs> be wise. What has God said about your tongue? What has he said about your heart? So the question is, if, if I'm supposed to be wise, where do I find this wisdom? The Bible's full with phenomenal instruction on how to find wisdom. If I'm to live this life on the edge with the wisdom of God, where does it come from? Psalm 119 says it this way, your word, talking about God's Bible, your word is a lamp for my feet. It's a guide for my path. I can't walk in the dark, especially in a house with, with three girls that are leaving like pterodactyls all over the place. And I come down at night, it's killing me, right? I can't walk in the dark, and life is like that. And so God's Word is this light for my life. It's this guide. It's this wisdom. It shows me the next step to take. And you've heard me say this before, and I just need to say it again. If K2 does anything, if, if this place amounts to anything, my, my hope and my prayer would be is that every single one of you would engage with the wisdom of God through His Word. Listen, you can't expect to live, live this great life that God has for you just simply coasting and showing up on Sundays. I'm sorry, it doesn't work. It might work for a period of time. But really what sustains you is the wisdom of God. 
grabbing God's word, starting to chow it, digest it, making it yours, putting it into your, into your life, into your soul where it starts to gain, gain some roots and go down. That's the most important way you can gain wisdom of God. You want wisdom? It's right in the Bible. And I need to tell you this. If you don't have a Bible, and you're, you can grab one today. We'll give you one right out in the lobby. Just walk up to the storefront. They'll give you one. Take as many as you want. It has got to take root in your life. It's, it's the God's wisdom for you. But then James throws another spin on it. He says, listen, not only God's word for you, but here's, here's another way you can gain some wisdom. James chapter 1, verse 5. He says, but any of you needs wisdom. What should you do? Yeah, he says, just ask for it. Ask for it. And he is generous and enjoys giving to all people. So he will give you wisdom. Paul says the first the first key to living this life that God intended for you, a life better than you and I could dream up, life better than you and I could live on our own, he says, is to start with being wise. Not putting my wisdom in control, putting God's wisdom in control. Be wise. Here's the second thing that Paul points out as we go into verse 16 and 17. He says this. Here's the second B. He says, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Verse 17, therefore, do not be foolish but understand what the Lord's will is. Look at that phrase there in the first part of 16. He says, making the most of every opportunity. In the Greek, the words kind of go like this. It's conveying this idea of buying from time or redeeming time is kind of what it's talking about there. So sort of in the original text here, we have this dead poet society feel. Remember what did they say in dead poet society? Carpe diem, right? What's that mean? Seize the moment, right? Aha, they lifted that from the Bible. <laughs> and, and, and Paul is saying here, he's saying right now, every opportunity, this day, this moment, this hour, this is important. Maximize what God wants to do through you. Maximize it. Redeem it. Live for all it's worth. You want to live life to the edge? Here's the second B. He says, be wise, but be intentional. Be intentional. Okay, that doesn't come natural for me. <laughs> that totally does not come natural for me. Oh, I, I can be really intentional about things that are important to me. I can be intentional about making sure I get some Xbox time, right? Or I can be intentional about making sure I get to do what I want to do. Or I can be intentional about, you know, things that I have to do, like getting to the meetings or going across town. Or I can be intentional about gassing up my car because I really need that. Or I can be intentional about making sure I take vacation or all of these things. But a lot of times, I don't know if you're like that, but a lot of times my intentionality just kind of concerns my life and what's really important to me. My moments, my minutes, my hours, whatever it is. But how did we start this time? Back in verse 14 last week, the very, very last verse, Paul says, wake up. When you're living intentionally for yourself, do you know what you're living as? A dead person, he says. When you're living for yourself, you're living as a dead person. He says, so wake up. You don't want to live for yourself anymore. Live for God. That's what brings you life, is waking up, living life on the edge with Him. And it means so much more than just simply being concerned with my own well-being. See, when I start to strive 
to see what God sees. When, when I start to engage where I see God engaging in my life or, or look to see where he's working around me in my workplace, in, in the office next to me, in my, in my classroom, with my professors, with, with my family, with my kids. When I start to open my eyes and start to engage with where God's engaging, that helps me make the most of every opportunity. Because what's it say here? Don't be foolish, verse 17. Understand what the Lord's will is. One of the keys to understanding what the Lord's will is is to keep your eyes open to where He's working. And then I begin to experience a very missional, purposeful life. I think usually when we talk about God's will, we talk about it in the big sense, right? When you use God's will in a conversation, you, like, I, I don't know, I do this, like, oh, I'm trying to figure out God's will for a job, or I'm trying to fill, figure out God's will for who He wants me to marry, or, or what if I should move, or blah, 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 or so on and so forth. And I think Paul here is saying, okay, yeah, that's all fine and well, but, but he uses the words here. He's saying every opportunity, not just, not just the big ones, every opportunity, seeking what God wants us to do at every level, every level in our day. Okay, so if you're a director and you're making a film, they call these things, um, they call them dailies, right? So, so a director who's, who's shooting a film, he doesn't watch the film at the end of six months, right? That just would be, that'd be asinine. You can you'd never do that because you never know what you would shoot, right? So every day he sits down and he watches the dailies, and they're unedited in the rough cuts, and he goes, oh, okay, gotcha. And he tracks along, and he pieces together every single day what's going on here. And that's what Paul is saying. In the same way, he's saying understanding the will of, the God, of, of God, understanding what God is up to. It's not about uh, the big picture as much as it is about the dailies, the individual scenes of my life. So it's, it's, it's good to have the grand vision, but, but if I don't understand following God in a day-to-day -day process, then, then I'm probably not going to understand what it really means to live with Him on the edge in this real thrill of what God has been talking about through this passage here. In other words, if, if I'm not prepared to watch and, and look and see what God is doing in the next 10 minutes, I might miss it. I might miss an incredible opportunity. And Paul says, make the most of every opportunity. For myself? No. Line your heart up with what God is doing. My agenda, it's, it's not my agenda anymore, it's God's agenda. My, my will, not, not my will anymore, God's will. My heart, again, it's God's heart. And I know what's on God's heart when I spend time in His love letter. And I start to see what makes God's heart beat. Do you know what makes, makes his heart beat in your life? Do you know where his heart is beating with your friends, with your, with your family, with your neighbors, the person you're sitting next to? You can find that out. <laughs> you can find that out by spending time with him, reading his word, and by looking through his eyes so that you don't miss any opportunity. And suddenly, when I find out how God's heart beats, are you kidding me? then I get to be involved in that. For my glory? No. God's glory through me. There's nothing better. There's nothing better in life.
So Paul says, be wise. You want to live this great life that, that God has intended for you? Be wise. And he says, live intentionally. Don't miss a moment of what God has for you. Live intentionally. And then he comes to a third point, and this is where we have to end. He says, do these two things, you know? Be wise in the Lord, not of your own wisdom. Be wise and live intentionally. And then he mentions this third. And, and, and it's almost like he drops the bomb, because I feel like this is the whole power of, of the passage right here. And, and if we don't get this, then we tend to walk out of here really discouraged today because then all we heard Paul say is, hey, be wise, great. Try to get that done. You know, live intentionally. All right, I'll put that on my list. And it puts us in control, puts us in the driver's seat when we're just trying to do these things. But then Paul drops his bomb here and he says, listen, this third point here, it gives you all the power you need to actually live the life I'm calling you to live. And here's what he says. In verse 18, he says, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, and here's the bomb, nuclear here, he says, be filled with the Spirit. That, that's the final instruction that he gives in these, these uh, verses here to living and embracing this life on the edge. Better, again, as you, better than anything you and I could come up with, he says, you've got to be filled with who I am. Be filled with the Spirit. So if I want to live this life, if I want to live this full life, then, then embracing the Spirit and what He's doing is the only thing that actually produces lasting joy. That's why he, he contrasts it here. See, we had a contrast last week. Remember that? Light and darkness. All right, so then he comes to verse 18 and he goes, wait, another contrast. Let me contrast this again. Right? He's saying uh, uh, being drunk versus the Spirit. Now see, being drunk gives you temporary joy, Right? Temporary lift, a temporary kind of, you know, uh, uh, escape. And he's saying, you want something that actually matters? Because, see, when you're, when you're drunk, you're just kind of out of control. You're not living missionally. You, you're, you're wasting. It's, it's, it's a waste. He's, you want to live missionally, engage the life that I have for you. He says, then be filled with the Spirit. Now, what does that mean? <laughs> what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? If you take a look at what, what, what the word here is, be filled, in verse 18, it is in a present tense. So it's, it's indicating a constant, present replenishment with God. So the, the, the Holy Spirit is our counselor, He's our guide, He's power, He sustains me. But Paul is not suggesting that we need to continue to, to, to try to ask him into our life and, hey, Holy Spirit, come back in and Holy Spirit, join me again. And, oh, I lost it. No, now it's back. And, oh, there he goes. And here it is again. And where's the Holy Spirit now? And I don't think that's what he's saying here. He's not saying try to run and track down the Holy Spirit so you can figure out how to get him in your life. See, when I give my life to Jesus Christ, when I come to faith in God through the cross and I agree with God, I need you, God, and I need the gift of, of your son. When I agree with God on that, the Bible says I immediately have the Holy Spirit. I immediately have the Holy Spirit. So then what does Paul mean by being filled here? I think we gain some better uh, understanding by just flip over to Galatians chapter 5. It's on the screen there, verse 25. Paul says it this way. I think it sums up pretty well. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step. 
See, I think being filled with the Spirit, constantly being filled, this, this replenishment is really actually me saying, I'm back. <laughs> you never went anywhere, God. I'm back. Help me to get back into step with you. Because guess what? I went off and I did my own dance step. Guess what? I went off and I ran. Guess what? I kind of compartmentalized my life. Guess what? I did my own thing. And, and thank you for your grace. Remember we talked about last week. It's this lens of, of grace, this filter of grace that God loves us through. And Paul is saying, keep in step. Continue to agree with me. Continue to agree with my spirit. Be filled. Enjoy the power that I give you. Okay, now I, have, I really have to end. I was just kidding earlier. But now I really have to end, all right? Here's what Paul says. How do you know if you're filled with the Spirit? How do you know if you're walking in step, keeping step with the Spirit? Well, just, just like you got tests for, for someone who's drunk, got the breathalyzer right, you touch your nose, you do the walking thing, whatever. Paul is saying, listen, if you, if, if you want to know if you're filled with the Spirit here, he said, here, here's kind of like the spiritual breathalyzer test in verse 19 and 20. He says, here's what the Spirit does in your life. Here's what you're going to experience, and here's how it's going to affect you. Verse 19, it's going to affect you in the way that you talk to others. Verse 19, speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. In other words, if I'm in step with God, if I'm filled with His Spirit, it, it, really what that means is if, if He's in control and I'm not, if, 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 if I'm relegating my agenda for His, if I'm agreeing that it's not my will, God, it's your will, that's what it means to be in step. If I'm saying, Lord, use my life how you want, I agree with you. I want this life that you're talking about. Do what you want with my life. If that's what I'm saying, then, then, then Paul is saying that you are gonna, you're going to be affected in the way you talk to people. In other words, these, these songs, these, these hymns, these spiritual songs, these praise, whatever it is that's coming out of my mouth is for the edification of people. I'm not going to be tearing you down. You know what? We talk about this life, this high life, and we're kind of living a play on words here, right, this whole entire series, high life, you know. And I, I think, I think most, most of the world would say, oh, living the high life is just doing whatever you want. No, that's not. That's living the easy life. It's easy to do whatever you want. It's just kind of easy. You pay for it later, but it's easy to do whatever you want. I'm in control. I call the shots. I get to do whatever I want. God says, you want to live a really fulfilling life? Life on the edge? Okay, then you get in step with what I want to do. Last time I checked, there's nothing safe about who God is. Creator of the universe. Thinks things up like this. Creative. In control. And he says, if you are walking with me in step, I start affecting your words. And I use your words to encourage, to lift people up. And then he gives another test here. He goes, if, I'm, if you're filled with the Spirit, not only is it going to affect the way you talk to other people, it's going to affect the way you talk to yourself. Verse 19, <laughs> sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Okay, so most of you won't admit that you, you talk to yourself throughout the day. <laughs> but we do, right? Oh, you do, okay. You're like, I argue. No, but, but we do. We have this ongoing dialogue all the time in our head. We're constantly discussing things. And I gotta tell you, some of us have got some really bad tapes going on. You're worthless. You don't mean anything. You're, you're horrible. Why, why are, you, you don't bring anything to the table. There's nothing valuable about you. We've bought into these, these, these lies, these things that just populate our brain. 
And God says, you know what happens when you start walking in step with me? Part of this life that I offer you is, is that your conversation with yourself starts changing. Why? Because I start infecting who you are. And that's the life that I have for you. That's, that's life on the edge when you begin being filled with, with my character. Here's the third test, and this is it in verse 20. He says, not only does it affect the way you talk to others, not only does it affect the, the way I talk to myself, but when I'm walking in step with the Spirit, when I'm tapping into this type of power, it starts affecting the way that I talk to God. Verse 20, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, when I give thanks, really what I'm doing is I'm acknowledging that I'm not God. <laughs> when, when I give thanks to God, I'm agreeing that He's in control and, and I'm not. You're in the driver's seat, God. I, it's all about you. It's not about me. And so I give you glory. I give you thanks when I'm in step with who you are. So Paul says, He's got this tremendous life. God has this tremendous life for you. It starts with being wise. And again, it's not myself. It's not pull myself up, be wise, and try to figure it out. It's, it's God's wisdom given to me. He says, be wise. Be intentional. You want to go on the greatest ride of your life? Make the most, he says, of every opportunity. Don't let anything slip by that God's doing. Figure it out. What's on his heart? Open my word. I will tell you what's on my heart. You want to know what, what my will is? I, I'll, I'll tell you, but I'll bring you along. Let me work through you. Be intentional. And Paul says, okay, and this is the best. And by the way, I can't figure out why he saved this to third. I'm going to ask him someday. This is like the bomb. He says, be filled and walk in step with my spirit. Not, not me, not my power, not Andy Marshall. Not I'm just kind of navigating through life trying to figure it out on my own and just trying to you know, just coast along and, and do, the, do the follower of Christ thing because that didn't last very long. He says, be in step with my power. I'm going to give it to you personally, intimately. And if that's the case, if that's the case, then I have this greater question as we come to the end of this passage, and that is, that it sounds like God wants to make my life count for something. And how's that happen? See, I don't know if this is true. I'm just going to throw it out there. But I've been told that if you were to take the timeline of the universe all the way back to like somebody who right now is 75 years old, that blip in time would be three seconds. And you're done. See, that's not much of a story if I'm just living for myself because no one will remember me. No one's going to know my name. But see, if I take my story, that really isn't actually mine to begin with. <laughs> it's the story that God has grown in me. This life that he says, oh, this is the best that I have for you. If I take that story and I plug it into his story, now that's living life on the edge. That's three seconds of missional living. That's three seconds of living purposefully. That's three seconds of God glorified. 
of the kingdom being built, of, of God living through my life, of extreme power that I can't even come up with, but God can, and he chooses to do it through my life. There's nothing that I have ever found that tops that. And Paul said, try it on. <laughs> That's what God has for us. And so my challenge for you is this, as the band comes up. If you are a follower of Christ, and by, by, by that what I mean is if, if you have entered into a relationship with God, you've given your, your life to Him, you've accepted His gift of grace, I want to ask you if, you're, if you've been caught up in just kind of coasting along and playing it safe in your, your personal adventure with Him. And see, only you can answer that. It's really hard to tell that from the outside because we can fake it pretty well. But, but, but have you just been going through the motions in your life? Or does God really have your heart? The way you answer that is, are you living the life that you want to live right now? Are you experiencing all that he has for you? Would you, would you consider your spiritual journey, this life on the edge that we've talked about, this, this life that only God can give? If, if you can't say yes to that, then my, my guess is that maybe you've just kind of been going through the motions. And I need to tell you today, that's, that's not what you were designed for. You, you weren't designed to live safe. You weren't des designed to just kind of just ease through life, just kind of eke through you were designed to wake up. You were designed to live this life with the power of the Spirit, with God in control, with Him guiding us, with, with this experience that He brings. And it starts by realigning our hearts with Him. For some of you, that might mean that, that you've got to take your agenda this morning. You've got, to, you've got to set it aside and say, okay, God, Maybe I've been chasing the wrong stuff. Maybe I've been living for the wrong thing. What's your agenda? For, for some of you, it might mean actually your, your will is more important than what God's will is. And you're going to need to have a hard conversation with Him. Maybe for some of you, you just, you're kind of sleepwalking. <laughs> I'm a follower of Christ, but my eyes aren't open, and I'm, I'm totally missing what God's doing in my life. The opportunities are flying past me. And I'm missing every single one of them. Paul says, wake up. Don't live as a dead person any longer. This is the life that you've been called to live. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're like, I, I'm just checking this out. I, you know, I, I don't understand. I don't even know who God is. I, I'm just, I, I don't understand all of who he is, all that he, he offers everything. I feel like the encouragement for you is you're not going to figure it all out. You're not going to get all your answers overnight. You're, it's going to be a lifelong journey. That's why we call it that journey. But it starts at a moment of saying yes to God and agreeing with Him that He has more to offer you. And today we're going to go into a time of worship and the band's going to lead us. And I'd love to leave you with that. Some of you may need to have some conversations as you, as you worship with God right now and discuss some of these issues. And then some of you just need to celebrate 
this grand life that God says, dude, it is yours for the taking. It's yours. I give you the wisdom you need. I allow you to understand what my will is through my scripture. Be intentional. Take every opportunity and glorify me. And I'll give you the power through my spirit to do it. Stand with me and let's pray. Let's bow our heads. Lord, this passage has uh, caused me to really wrestle. I've got to ask the tough questions. I mean, am I, am I coasting or am I leaving it all out on the field? I mean, am I, am I holding anything back from you? Am I really engaging? Because, God, I've got to confess to you sometimes. I, I mean, I'm just here truthfully saying I don't. I just, I don't. I find other things that are more important in... in uh, just selfishly, I just want to coast on the nice parts of the river. And Lord, I feel like you're screaming at me today and you're screaming at us that we're missing the blessing. Life with you, life through you. <laughs> God, that's what I want to engage in. That's what I want K2 to engage in. Lord, would you help us to do that? Give us a strength. You tell us you're going to sustain us. You tell us that you're going to give us every opportunity. <laughs> you reveal your heart to us. You allow us to see the, the beating that goes on inside of you. Oh, Lord, would you make that a reality in us so that when people look at K2, when people look at, at us, when we are at the office and when we are at home and we're in our neighborhood, that would, people would see you through us. <sighs> Lord, help that to be a reality because that, I agree with you, Lord, that is life worth living. Jesus, let it be known that we love you. We honor you and we worship you. And we approach your Father's throne through your name. Amen. Let's worship. And as you worship, leave it all on the field. Go all out. Let's celebrate who God is. And one of the ways we do that is through an offering, so we're going to take that at this time. And again, that's for people that call K2 their home. It's just one more way to give back to God and say, God, thank you for loving me so much. Thanks for giving me so much. Let's worship.